Welcome to Millennium Live, a digital diary podcast. We sit down with the top C-suite executives and talk all things digital transformation. We're pleased to welcome Mara Kaufman from Doctor.com on this episode of Millennium Live. Mara is the chief customer officer and brings a deeper understanding of the future of healthcare. We dive into all the hot topics telemedicine, healthcare marketing, and new trends and innovations as a result of the pandemic. Thank you so much for being here today, Mara. Thanks for having me. For anyone who is not familiar with Doctor.com, can you give us an overview of what you do and what makes Doctor.com unique? Yeah, certainly. So Doctor.com is really designed to help healthcare organizations provide a better customer experience at every point of the digital patient journey. So that being said, our solutions support everything from provider directory optimization to listings, reputation management, and more recently, telehealth. And what really makes us unique, uh, a couple things. One is that unlike other companies that offer products that might be similar to ours, is that Doctor.com was purpose-built for healthcare from the very beginning. So with every new product that we launch, we partner really closely with our clients to make sure it's a fit for all of the needs that are really specific to healthcare. So whether that's how we structure data or providing a specific use case for a certain system. And then we also have a very expansive partner network within the healthcare ecosystem. And that includes exclusive partnerships with sites like Google and HealthGrades, uh, WebMD, Vitals, and many more, basically everywhere you can imagine that uh, someone is seeking care online. Oh, wow. So how would you determine if a client, I'm sorry, is having success on your platforms and what role exactly does ROI ROI play in that? Sure. So at the end of the day, uh, success for us really means that our clients are able to increase their revenue by attracting new patients and increasing the value of their current patients. So there are obviously a lot of steps and factors that lead one to that place, but when it comes down to it, it's really going to be about growth for our clients. So There are a lot of different success metrics that we look at to determine ROI. We look at things like listings accuracy over time. We look at reputation over time, meaning what is your reputation across the digital healthcare landscape look like? Are your positive reviews growing? What are your rating averages? Uh, Are people engaging with your brand? And then we look at those metrics and we compare them with actions that people are taking. So those patients who are looking at your physician profiles, are they, are they taking action on them? Are they calling you? Are they scheduling an in-person visit? Are they scheduling a virtual appointment? Basically figuring out, is your online presence an active part of the patient journey or are you just invisible and not being seen by anyone. And I have an example of this. We recently worked, one of our clients is is Asheville Eye Associates. Um, They're actually the largest eye care practice in uh, Western North Carolina. So they had a couple goals. They wanted to clean up their listings and increase review volume, which is pretty common among uh, our clients. And so we did that. And the efforts of cleaning up their listings and getting them more reviews ended up resulting in over 8,000 new patient leads per month for that practice. So for them, we looked at their listings before and after doctor.com, we looked at their review counts, and then we compared that with their new patient intake. And in this case, of course, they had great results. And we also create a lot of custom ROI models with our clients, depending on the use case. And so we'll use, we'll leverage our partner network that I mentioned before, and we'll use the data that we have access to, to help inform those models. So because we have access to so much industry data, if our client doesn't have a particular stat on hand, 
we can end up providing really close estimations to fill in any gaps and then give them an idea of how, for example, their listings accuracy impacts uh, their new patient conversions. Okay, so you mentioned listings many times throughout that. So what would you <laughs> yeah. say that listings management or why is it so crucial to successful branding? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's really our bread and butter. I, I would say that the, the information that patients find when they look you or they look your organization up online, um, and that's whether they're looking for you on Google or health grades or all of the other places where people are seeking care, needs to accurately reflect your health system and speak truth to your brand. In that listing, in that moment, that's really where patients are making a decision about which providers to see and getting the information on how to do that. So it's absolutely crucial that you as a brand are shining in that moment and you're pushing them across the finish line because they're not there yet. They still have a decision to make. And in our research, we found that patients rely on these online resources or you know, listings in this case about two times more than they do word of mouth referrals. And a lot of people don't actually realize this. So what that means practically is even if your friend or your mom or your neighbor gives you the name of a provider, even if another doctor gives you a referral, that's actually not a done deal at all. Consumers will do the research and every system should operate under the assumption you know, that patients will be doing that extra research and, and they should be prepared for that. We've also found that nearly half of patients will decide not to book an appointment with a provider who has incomplete listings information online. This could be incorrect, incomplete data, and, you know, this isn't just me trying to build excitement around doctor.com, even though I love to do that, but every single year we do a hefty amount of research and we launch patient trends surveys where we're getting firsthand information from many thousands of people across the U.S. to support these statistics. So we know that this is what patient behavior looks like today. And I'll say, too, a conversation we often have with, with our clients and with our prospects is them asking us, well, you know, why can't I do this myself? What's so complex about listings management? And honestly, I could do a whole separate chat on just that question alone, but listings management, I'll spare everybody, but listings management is a massive and moving undertaking. It's not at all a one-time set it and forget it. And as anyone in the healthcare industry knows, people and places are moving and changing constantly. There's always really heavy M&A activity that complicates everything. And of course, if we thought things were changing a lot before, uh, 2020 has certainly left that notion in the dust and presented us with a whole new set of changes and challenges. So without going so deep into this, just I'll just say that having a partner who can hold your hand throughout this ongoing, moving, living listings process and remove the stress from your organization is so important from a branding success perspective. So, you know, your marketing teams, your patient experience teams can really focus on what's in your control as an organization, as a brand, and then leave the rest of it to somebody like us. Right. So you mentioned the pandemic and that is the hottest topic or the only thing really we're talking about this year. <laughs> Obviously for the frontline workers that you are constantly working with, it's constant and it hasn't ended or it's not ending soon. So while that's all going on, they're still dealing with business repercussions. So what are you seeing as new concerns or even needs for the healthcare decision makers? Yeah, there have been so many this year. Um, sure. It's definitely been a, yeah, there, it's been a year of uh massive challenge and opportunity, I would say, in, in the healthcare space. Um, 
The first that, that comes to mind is really the ability to mass communicate with patients. Thinking back to March, you know, the first place that many patients went for important information about COVID-19 was to their local health system. So our clients really had a responsibility to quickly disseminate this information and be updating educational information, policy changes, hours, and a lot of our clients proactively notified patients of certain changes within their organization through other channels besides their website, like email or texting. And when COVID-19 started, Google responded pretty quickly and they started allowing specific COVID posts for facilities. So I viewed it as our responsibility to educate our clients on this update, given that Google's one of our partners, and we were able to help our clients use this feature to update things like office hours and other necessary facility changes. And for one client in particular, they uh, they started a daycare, a pop-up daycare um, for essential workers um, so they could keep going to work. So we use the Google Post feature to display that on their listings, um, to propagate that information out. So we we tried really hard at that point to leverage our network to the best of our abilities and be able to use our one-to-many technology to spread important information to as many places as we possibly could. Some other ways that we reacted when it came to mass patient communication was, um, you know, updating banners, the provider directories that we manage for clients um, about where to go, who to call if you had symptoms or needed information. So um, we really, there was an immediate need for everybody to get the information out to everybody as soon as humanly possible. And I think the second thing that really emerged as a massive need was data integrity and transparency. And of course, I I would argue that that's always in need. Um, But especially in the beginning um, with COVID, it was such a time of mass uncertainty and fear that there really was never a more important time to have correct and democratized data. And when I say that, I'm not just referring to, you know, uh, what you might consider basic listings information like I was talking about before, but, um, you know, that's name, address, phone number, specialty, the, the basics like that. But health systems really at that point had a responsibility to reassure patients that um, they would be safe in their facilities. So patients were looking to their local systems, not only for information on COVID, but also the confidence that if they had to leave the safety of their homes, they would be properly looked after. So patients were looking for virtual care options for instructions on how to change their behavior when they came to the office. There were so many unanswered questions, you know, can I bring a partner with me if I come into your facility? What is the waiting room like? What's the capacity? Um, What can I do at home to expedite the check-in process so I can get in and out faster? What type of PPE is required? Will you have it for me if I don't have it myself? So there were just so many unanswered questions and we wanted to help enable systems to be transparent about them and get that information to their patients. And I think that arose as an an even more of a major need, um, certainly when the pandemic struck. Of course. So maybe based on those needs or maybe not needs at all, but have you seen new trends or innovations emerge because of the pandemic? Yes, um, certainly. So I think the the one that's on everyone's mind is telemedicine. Um, no surprise there. Um, and again, while that was around before the pandemic and important before the pandemic, uh, much like data integrity and transparency, as everyone's well aware of the use of usage just massively picked up over the past six months. So now it's really become an integral part of 
nearly every healthcare system and whether that's for a complete visit or to support intake or triage or follow-up. And in the research we've done, you know, since, um, since everything happened with COVID, we found over 80% of patients were likely to use telemedicine, even if they hadn't done it before the pandemic. So there's no argument that the floodgates of usage and opportunity have, have definitely, uh, definitely opened. And as far as how doctor.com played into that, I'll, I'll get into it a little bit, but because we have this robust partner network and API connections that I was describing a little bit earlier, we were able on behalf of our clients who opted into virtual care to update all of the eligible virtual visit fields across our vast network of listings partners within just a few days. So that really speaks to the strength um, in our relationships with these partner sites. We were able to take such quick action on these changes and also, you know, from our partners get a sneak peek of what they were going to be offering as far as virtual care fields and listings options. And at the same time, we actually helped encourage some of our listings partners to expose fields for virtual care options who maybe weren't thinking about doing it um, as quickly as we saw the demand increasing and as we heard it from our clients. So it's really a great two-way relationship in that sense um, with our partner network, which of course only you know, benefits our, our clients and our patients even more. What would you say are some important features to look for in a telemedicine solution? Yeah, so I think it's so important to ask that, first of all, because the market right now is absolutely flooded with solutions um, and they each offer pretty distinct features and benefits. So I'm glad to be discussing it because um, I, I do feel strongly about this. For us at doctor.com, really the number one concern that we hear from patients and providers alike is ease of use, which sounds obvious, but it's so important to have a virtual care platform that does not involve any type of downloads or installations, and also that's device agnostic. So no matter what your degree of comfort with technology is, you're able to use it. So, you know, device-wise, whether you're on an iPhone, an Android, your computer, a tablet, uh, whatever, you should be able to use the, the service successfully. And then we found that installs are a major barrier to use and can actually really isolate a large part of one's patient base. And that piece of it's really unfortunate because telemedicine is such a great solution um, for more vulnerable parts of the population, like older demographics who can be overwhelmed by new technologies. So having a more complex install-based virtual care solution really doesn't match with that need, especially given the current pandemic and its impact on, on our older populations. So for our telemedicine solution, which I think I, I mentioned um, called Virtual Visit, we were really focused on creating a product that anyone could use in attempt to avoid that from happening and ideally to make life easier on the more vulnerable sections of our population. So ease of use is probably number one. And then another one that I would throw out there is HIPAA compliance. So when the pandemic started, as most people are aware of, all of the restrictions on telemedicine were eased, which was great because it allowed platforms like Zoom and Google Duo and FaceTime to be used for telemedicine. But those platforms aren't truly HIPAA compliant. And when those restrictions inevitably go back to normal, providers and systems using those platforms will really need to find a new solution that's more purpose-built for healthcare. So um, a trend that we've been seeing recently is that a lot of organizations kind of panic bought solutions at the beginning to have something quick when they needed it. But over time, they've learned that those solutions are 
a little clunky, again, not purpose-built for healthcare. So there's a lot of learning happening over time. A lot of systems are also using one, two, three, four, five, six different telemedicine solutions at once, which creates a lot of overhead and unnecessary complexity. So I think everybody now is kind of taking their heads out of the weeds and trying to find the right fit for them and ideally looking for a more permanent solution that's you know, focused more heavily on simplicity and, and is effective for both patients and providers. I'm sure. Do you have any advice for the healthcare systems to make their patients feel more comfortable using telemedicine? Yeah, I, I do. So um, I'll talk about a feature that's been getting great feedback on our virtual visit platform, which is our virtual waiting room. So we've been getting a lot of positive feedback about this. Clients and patients alike really like it. And what they like about it is that it mimics their in-office experience. So while they're in this virtual waiting room, uh, waiting for the provider to join, we actually provide them with relevant educational materials and content based upon their visit reason to help them prepare for their visit. And it helps providers and their teams also connect with patients in the event that there's a a wait. We know it sounds silly, but we do have virtual waits once again, um, just like in person. So things like this help normalize the experience for patients who might be newer to the world of virtual care. It also gives people a chance to prepare for the call and not get caught off guard when the provider joins. You know, I always say transparency is your best friend. I really do believe this. I talked about data transparency earlier, and I feel that it's the same when it comes to telehealth. You know, as a, as a health system, you can never give too much information to patients my advice would be just to let patients know exactly what they can expect from a virtual appointment. And I mean, down to what buttons they need to push, what's gonna happen after the appointment, what's the interface going to look like, when can the doctor see you versus not, what to do if something goes wrong. You know, no question is too silly. I would be very proactive about offering that information. You know, we have to remember that it's still very foreign for a lot of people. and. Again, it's about organizations really embracing patients as customers and consumers and wanting to provide that white glove experience for them. So again, no question is too obvious. And I do believe that patients will really thank you for your openness. And I also think from a branding perspective, it offers a really good place for somebody to differentiate themselves uh, from somebody else by offering a really fantastic virtual care experience. Do you have any advice for healthcare marketers on how to communicate and boost their online reviews? Yes, for sure. So um, for boosting reviews, you always want to have systems in place that work toward increasing review volume. And I would say that's never been more true. Patients are looking really closely at reviews that have been left since COVID-19 hit um, to determine how your organization is handling the pandemic. So the more positive reviews you can collect now, the better. Uh, recency has always been a really important factor in review collection, but it, it truly could not be more important now. And, and I would say, and I've said many times, um, that normally a single bad review isn't the end of the world. Patients are savvy. Everybody knows that not everyone will have an amazing experience anywhere. But you know, now the dynamic has shifted a little bit. And if you get a bad review and it mentions something about lack of safety or lack of cleanliness in a time like this, you know, it suddenly matters a lot more. And also when it comes to telemedicine, if my appointment can be virtual and I don't have to go into the office, you know, your, your competitor radius increases dramatically because it doesn't matter if I find a provider with better reviews at a different system who's 50 miles away, you know, if I can get my needs met through a virtual appointment, that's, you know, that's really challenging for my local system. And we're also finding that 
patients are putting a lot more weight on reviews um, and will be willing to travel the, the literal extra mile or many miles to meet with a provider um, who meets their safety and, and whose office meets their safety and cleanliness standards um, versus before, you know, people would be more apt to, uh, you know, maybe maybe sacrifice a little bit on the review side um, for the sake of convenience, but that that's over and done with. Um, and as far as integrating reviews uh, with, with telemedicine, um, I'd say that's probably the best way to, one of the best ways to increase your review volume right now. Um, you wanna be sourcing reviews from a very captive audience. So if at the, the point of care, as soon as a virtual appointment is over, you're able to get the patient to leave a review, um, that's much better than asking them, you know, a day, two days, even an hour later. Our virtual visit systems does give that give providers that ability and they can control it. They can toggle it based upon, you know, the, the patient. So they're getting feedback right at the point of care. And then on top of that, we have a one-to-many review technology. So when the patient leaves a review after they have a virtual visit, um, the information actually gets pushed out to many sources across the internet, which helps boost review volume really exponentially. I would say also that having a reputation management system that allows you to reply in one platform to all of your reviews across uh, a variety of sites is, is necessary. You want to have a platform that looks holistically at your entire online reputation that's sending you alerts and letting you know, you know, hey, you got a review on Google, you got a review on health grades, you got a review on vitals, and then ideally giving you the ability to respond to all of those reviews from one system. So you're not having to you know, log in and log out and take a lot of time monitoring every single site on an isolated basis, because that can be incredibly time consuming. So I just have one last question for you. And it's another advice. I know you work with many organizations who recently had to balance both aggressive marketing and cost consolidation. So during the recovery period, the recovery period, what would be your advice to them? Yeah, it's... It's a really good question and it's a predicament that we've become familiar with. But my advice in this case will, as difficult as it is, will always be that you can't cut your way to growth. My advice is absolutely that now is the time to invest in optimizing your digital presence. You know, pretty much everything we've spoken to today shows that being top of mind and top of search has never been more important. And it's never been more important to have a handle on things like accuracy, transparency, and brand awareness. And I know I just touched on this, but you know, right now you better believe that patients are going to seek out facilities that appear to be at the top of their class when it comes to proactivity around safety and cleanliness measures. So the more obvious you can make that through your online listings, through your review channels, through your website, through your branding, the better off you'll be. And pandemic or not, you know, patients are still making crucial healthcare decisions online. In fact, they're making more of them online than ever before. And you as the organization really have the opportunity to capture them there by, as I said before, speaking truth to your brand and creating an environment that attracts them um, through education, through clear communication and through thought leadership. And I, I, I briefly mentioned this before, but I really believe that health systems have a massive opportunity right now to reinvent themselves with a thoughtful virtual care strategy. I think investing in a simple solution that's durable, that's purpose-built for healthcare can really be a critical differentiator when it comes to marketing without necessarily high associated costs. So as difficult as it can be, I think that now is absolutely the right time to be thinking about the future and future growth because uh, it 
it's really crucial to make sure that you're ahead of the curve when it comes to securing a strong ROI in the future. So I would be, I would be thinking ahead and I'd be investing. Well, on that note, we will wrap up. It was a great final note and it was wonderful having you here today and learning more about doctor.com. So thank you so much, Mara. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to check out some of our other episodes exclusively on Digital Diary.